You know, all throughout life, we all have different fears that we, that we deal with. Every one of us. And there is a certain fear that I think at some level we all have the same fear. It's the fear of missing out. Or better known as FOMO. Right? Have you heard of that fear before? I think all of us at some level has a fear of missing out on something. Maybe it's that relationship. Maybe it's that job. Maybe it's that, um, that sport experience. Whatever it may be, we all have different levels of things in our life that we have a fear of missing out on. And you know what? The devil uses that. He uses that to leverage our hearts and our minds away from God. He did that from the very beginning of time. Did you know going back to the Garden of Eden, the very thing that lured Eve over to that fruit on the tree and lured Adam to follow her was exactly this fear. God's holding you out on something. You know, he knows if you would eat this, you would have all this knowledge. You'd have understanding of good and evil. You would, you would get it. You see, but you're missing out. He's causing you to miss out. Did you see that? In the core of who we are, the devil's greatest leverage into our hearts and our minds to pull us away from God is this constant fear of missing out. What are you afraid of missing out on? How is the devil leveraging that and leveraging your heart to feel that God is maybe holding out on you? I think we all wrestle with that. And as we get into our story today and, and our encounter with Jesus today, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5. And this is the story of when Jesus healed a paralyzed man. Let's dig into that story and we'll kind of bring it back together with this fear of missing out. You know, in Luke chapter 5, to kind of bring you up to speed on what's happening here, one day Jesus was in this house. It was just an average house. And he was there gathered teaching and sharing the truth of, of the Gospels to this house. And the Bible specifically says that this house was overcrowded. The people that gathered in this house were from every village in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And they all gathered here to listen to Jesus. And you can just imagine this house that was overcrowded with people. People were lining all the way to the doorposts and out, probably out into the front yard and hanging through the windows. I mean, this house was literally overcrowded. In verse 17 of Luke chapter 5, it says that the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. In other words, what the Bible is revealing here is that the Holy Spirit was fully engaged and connected with the man Jesus. What we see here and what we see all throughout the Bible is what's known as the theology of, Trinity, of the Trinity. You see, the Bible teaches us that God is one person in three beings, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all throughout the scriptures, even throughout the Old Testament, we see the reality of the Trinity and how they are uniquely intertwined and connected. And here the Bible is highlighting that theology and that truth once again. The power of the Spirit was in the man, Jesus. And then it says, while Jesus was teaching in this overcrowded house, some men came. You see, I think everybody in the whole area, in the whole region knew Jesus was there. 
And there these men came to try to get to Jesus. You see, these men were carrying this mat, and on this mat was this man who was paralyzed. And they were desperate. They were desperate to get Jesus' help because they knew they heard this man is not just a great teacher, but he can heal people. He can do tremendous things if we can just get into his presence, if we can just get to the room he's in. And they came to the house, and they were trying to bring him to Jesus, but the Bible says that the house was so overcrowded that they just could not get in. And I often wonder, as I read that line, how the house was so overcrowded, what that scene just might have looked like. I mean, were there people who didn't even know that these men were right behind him carrying this man in desperate need? Were they trying to ask, excuse me, pardon me, can we just squeeze through? And nobody was letting them through because nobody wanted to miss their opportunity themselves to see this man, Jesus? I don't know. But I do know that these men didn't quit. In Luke chapter 5, verse 19, the Bible says that when they could not find a way to, to do this because the house was overcrowded... They went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. This this, this is truly fascinating to me. Just imagine, if you will, the scene. Okay, Jesus is in this this family's living room, hanging out, having their little growth group time. The house is so overcrowded, nobody can move. They're shoulder to shoulder. Everybody's locked arms. And there in the middle of the house is Jesus teaching. And they're locked in. They're focused on Jesus. And then all of a sudden, something begins to fall. Maybe a little dirt. Maybe a little, a little stuff from the roof. And everybody's like, what is this bug, man? Leave me alone. And they look up and they see things are, are ruffling around on the, on the rooftop. And then these men on the roof, they start peeling the tiles away. I mean, this isn't something like they just, whoa, there's room space. I mean, this had to take a few moments in time. So everybody's attention went from Jesus up to this roof. What in the world is going on? And these men just slowly pulled tile by tile. They were like, nothing's going to stop us. We need to get this man to Jesus. And they're just moving the tiles. We don't care what anybody thinks. We're not worried about that. All we care about is getting this man to Jesus. And slowly they're moving the tiles. Then they grab their rope and they tie the rope around the man because that would be a really bad uh, TikTok video right there if they dropped him on the floor, right? And so they tie him on the rope and they're slowly lowering this man down to Jesus and trying not to to drop him. And they're, they're probably talking and communicating to each other. You know, Joe, a little bit more on your side. Ed, bring it down, bring it down, bring it down. You know, they're probably yelling at each other to, to not drop this man. And finally they get this man down to Jesus and oh, we made it. And meanwhile, the overcrowded house must just be thinking, what in the world is this? Because we just wanted our time with Jesus. You know what this moment was? This is what I like to call a God moment. This was a God moment. You know what a God moment is? A God moment is a moment when you have the opportunity to either experience the hope of God in your life or to express the hope of, the hope of God through your life. That, in its most basic understanding, is a God moment. And right here, in the middle of this guy's living room, these people's living room, a God moment was about to take place that everybody else in the house was about to miss. Why? 
because they had something else on their mind that they just didn't want to miss out on. And because they didn't want to miss out on this, they're about to miss out on a significant God moment. You know, God moments don't generally happen with thunder and lightning. They're not this big, um, loud music and big hurrah and big parade because that is ultimately what we are expecting to see. When God's at work, we expect to see the huge miracle. We expect to see the thunder and lightning. But so often, God moments happen in the gentle breeze, in the quiet ordinary of our own lives. And as I read this story, I cannot help but to think of all the people in that packed house And as I began to think about all those people in that packed house who didn't let these guys come through with this man in desperate need, what were they so afraid of missing that they almost missed out on a God moment? It's the fear of missing out. And I think so often the fear of missing out causes us to miss the God moments that, can I be honest with you, probably happen on a daily basis in your life. But because we're so afraid of missing out, whatever that is, we miss the God moment. And all these people in this house were crowded around Jesus himself. But yet they almost missed the God moment. You see, in the ordinary gentle breeze, I think we need to be open to the God moments. We just need to be set back and just be prepared for the God moments that may happen. You know, sometimes we get so focused on what we feel we don't want to miss out on that we miss the God moments right in front of us. So going back to that question, in your life, what are you so afraid to miss out on that may be causing you to miss out on the God moments right in front of you? It's our blind spots. We all have them. We all have the blind spots. And here's the hard question. What are your blind spots? Sometimes we might need to ask other people what our blind spots are because they're blind spots to us for a reason. And oftentimes we don't even see our blind spots. And all of our blind spots probably go back to the, cent- the central a foundational issue of how, God, how the Satan leverages our heart and our minds away from God, and that's the fear of missing out on something. What we want, what we're afraid of missing out on, then turns into our priorities. And most of us live our lives based upon priorities that are developed because there's something that we just don't want to miss out on. Maybe it's achievements. Maybe it's getting ahead in work. Maybe it's getting ahead in school, whatever it may be. And so we base our priorities on the very fundamental foundation of fear of what are we afraid of missing out on. And because we're so afraid of missing out on something, we develop these priorities and we run towards them in complete desperation for to achieve the life that we hope to achieve. And before you know it, we live lives of desperation. Desperation to achieve maybe something we've never even thought we could achieve before. And in God moments, Jesus turns our desperation into triumph. But can I pause here for a moment and just give you a little bit of a public service announcement? Let me tell you something. Let this sink in. We often miss God moments because we tend to push our priorities onto God's agenda rather than allowing God's priorities to become our agenda. 
Can I just read that for you one more time? Read it with me. We miss God moments because we tend to push our priorities onto, God agen- onto God's agenda rather than allowing God's priorities to become our agenda. You see the difference? You see, because we're so afraid of missing out on something, because we want to chase our own heart, we come to church, we go into our Bible time, we go to the throne of God, and we try to get God to make his agenda based upon my priorities. Because I don't want to miss out on this in life. Because I want to achieve this in life. Because I want to run after this in life. God, you've got to match up to what I want. Your agenda should be my priorities. When God's saying, no, 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 no. You're missing the God moments in your life because my agenda are not your priorities. Your, prior, your agenda should be my priorities. And that's exactly what the Pharisees struggled with. The Pharisees in that very room that, were, that surrounded Jesus and listening to his teaching and watched that man lowered from the rooftop down to the floor. As they watched that moment and they saw things begin to happen, the Pharisees were trying to push their agenda onto the priority of Jesus. You see, Jesus' whole ministry was fighting the people, the religious people, who were constantly trying to make his priority or his agenda their priority. And vice versa. And so often we do the same thing. And the Bible says that the Pharisees and teachers in that moment, as they watched Jesus heal this man, they began to think to themselves, who is this guy? Who is this guy that can do all this and say all this and and begin to forgive sins? And the Bible says Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. Read with me in Luke chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, Jesus, he stood up, that's the paralyzed man, in front of them, took what he said, took what he had been lying on, and went up and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we've seen a remarkable thing today. You know, in that moment, they were amazed because they realized they just witnessed a God moment. They experienced the hope of God beyond the physical healing to the spiritual healing that ultimately God provides. In this moment, lives were transformed. God moments happen around us in our, in our lives all the time. But we miss them. We miss them. You know why I miss them? And maybe why you miss them too? We miss them because there's something we're afraid of missing out on. And because there's something we're afraid of missing out on, that turns into our priorities in life, that we try to achieve something bigger and better for ourselves. 
We, we, it leads us towards chasing the things of this world and the things of our heart because we think what that provides us is more than what we could provide ourselves or maybe more what God could provide for us. And just like Satan in the garden with Adam and Eve, we believe God's holding out on us. I mean, this faith thing is boring. This faith thing is a drag. I mean, God, you're really causing me to not be happy in my life if I follow your rules and regulations. And because of that, the devil is working within your heart and your mind, and myself included, constantly making us think we're missing out on the better life if we follow Jesus. That's the devil's trick. It's been his trick from the, from the creation. And he continues that. He leverages our heart to that. And then before we, before we know it, because we're so afraid of missing out on the life that we want... That is so opposite from what we think God has in store from us. That we try to chase this. And, and we run after it. And here's the trap. Here's the trap in all this. The trap is this. Before you know it, the agenda of the world, the agenda of the other people in your life that you're surrounding yourself with to try to appease what your heart desires, all of them, their priorities become your agenda. And before you know it, your life has become so out of whack and so unbalanced because you're trying to live out the agendas in your life based upon their priorities rather than the priorities of God, who has something bigger and better for you. And then when you, that happens, when you're chasing this and, you have, and we've become mixed up in our priorities, all of a sudden what it does is it develop, develops within us unbalanced and stressful lives. And I bet it's safe to assume that many of us sitting in this room right now are struggling with unbalanced and stressful lives, all because we're chasing the agenda of the world rather than God's agenda for our life. And what that happens, when, we, when we're stuck in the spiral of stress, the spiral of unbalanced living, the spiral of other people's and the world's priorities becoming our agenda, guess what happens? You are probably burning out in life. You're probably burning out in life. And I wonder how many of you sitting here right now are saying, Bill, I'm burning out in life. Life's just beating me down. Because you know you're burning out in life when you find yourself with unfocused time. You don't even know how to budget your time. You're, you're so overwhelmed and you feel like, I don't have the time to do anything anymore. I don't have time to hang out with Jesus. I don't have time to hang out with my family. I don't have time to even get done my day to day. My life is so unfocused and I, ha I don't have the energy anymore. I, I just don't have the energy to do anything. I, I struggle with just waking up every day. I don't know how to get out of bed in the morning. There's nothing motivating me to move forward. And then all of a sudden you realize all my priorities have been hijacked because my agenda has become other people's priorities rather than being the priority of God. And what this does is this leads us to stress over and, and a life of desperation. And too many of us are living lives of desperation, overwhelmed with stress, completely unbalanced in our living, all because we've allowed other people in the world's priorities to become our agenda rather than chase Jesus. And that's the struggle we see here as the, the encounter with Jesus here. Desperate living causes us to miss the God moments that leads to the opportunities of triumph to truly experience hope. 
and to be a conduit of hope for others. That's a God moment. But you know what? In order to experience this, there needs to be a mental shift. We, we need to have a mental shift. And you need to make the commitment to have this mental shift. And the mental shift is this. My agenda is not God's priority. God's priorities are my agenda. We need to make the mental shift in your life. You will continue to live unbalanced, overwhelmed, stressful lives the more you chase the priorities of the world and other people in your life, and you will not experience true freedom from that and triumph from that until you take a step back and realize the importance, value, and the value in this mental shift. Guess what? My agenda is not God's priority. When I come to Jesus in my quiet time, when I come to church, I don't walk in this place. I can't anymore and say, God, this is what I need you to do for me. Will you make my agenda, my priorities, your agenda? Because in so doing, you will continue down the path that Satan wants you to walk down of being overwhelmed in life. And the more you get full of that unbalanced living and overwhelmed with stress, the more he just works in your heart and your mind that you are missing out on something bigger and better. God's holding out on you. Run towards the world. That's the, that's the devil's lie. From the beginning of time till now, he's always orchestrated through that. And he's working on you too. But some way in our journey, we have to make the mental shift. My priorities are not God's agenda. His priorities need to be my agenda. And when you make that subtle shift in your thinking and your heart, everything changes. It's not going to be overnight and everything's going to be perfect tomorrow. But I promise you, everything begins to change. Because God will begin to open up the doors and you will begin to see more clearly the God moments that's happening every single day. This happens all the time during our encounter time. But we need to understand something too. When we approach the throne of God and when we realize the God encounters that happen every day of our life, when we walk into these God moments, they reveal something. I want to highlight some things that this story highlighted, the, what the God encounters reveal. The first is this. Jesus is the authority. In that crowded house, Jesus revealed his authority. His authority not just over the physical healing, but his authority over the spiritual issues as well. I forgive sins. And that's what threw the Pharisees off their rocker. They're like, who is this man that can forgive sins? Who is, what's this guy talking about? And in the middle of that living room, in that overcrowded house, when everybody was so afraid of what they were missing out on in their life, when they were trying to figure out what is happening in this moment, God revealed, I am the Lord. I am the master. And see, at some point in our journey, we need to not just submit to Jesus as our Savior, but we need to submit to him as Lord. It's a difference. It's a mental shift. And that means, God, Jesus, you direct my path. Jesus said he is the way, 
the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father except through him. And so Jesus says, I am the authority in your life. I am the authority throughout this world. Nothing can happen in this world without me allowing it. And I know that will cause some things in your heart to wrestle with. But he's the ultimate authority. And he is the way, the truth, and life. That when we align our agenda towards his priorities as the way, the truth, and life, he opens up the doors. The next thing we see that these God encounters reveal in this story is that Jesus knows us and he values us. I think some of you need to hear that today. Jesus knows you and he values you. The fascinating thing in this story that we jumped over was the Pharisees, as soon as everything began to go down, they began to think. Did you catch that? They began to think. They didn't say anything. In their minds, they began to think, who is this man? What is he doing? And then the Bible says that Jesus, knowing their thoughts. That's a powerful phrase right there. Let me tell you something. There is nothing who you are, there is nothing that you ever think about that Jesus does not already know. He knows what's going on in your mind right now. He's known, he knows what's going on in your heart. He knows everything about you. So that can be a scary thing for a lot of us. And maybe it's a freeing thing for some of us too. Because so often we hold back from going to God, owning up and confessing to God. Like, I can't just tell him this. Guess what? He already knows. He is omniscient, which means he knows everything. He knows everything. He knows your heart. He knows what this week will bring to you. He knows the future. And he knows the past. And here's the beauty behind all this. And he revealed it in this story. What holds us back from God so often is because we are so guilt-ridden by who we are, what we think, or what we do. And Satan uses that to leverage your heart and your mind away from God. You can't open that up. You can't tell him that. You can't be honest with that. But when you realize he already knows, and then here's the other truth to that. He loves you just the same. Think about that. There is no, there's nothing you've done. There's no thought that you had. And I know some of us have had awful, evil thoughts. There's no thought or, or anything in your life that can hold you back from the love of God. Nothing. And in this moment, in the middle of this room, God revealed even to the Pharisees in this overcrowded house and this man laying on the mat, I know you. I know everything about you. And I love you. I think some of you need to hear that today. Jesus desperately loves you. And he relentlessly pursues you. He does. The Bible says if you just... Open up the door. In Revelation 3, it says that God, Jesus, is knocking at the door of our heart if we just open it up. In this moment, it was opened. In the scene of a guy being lowered from the roof. And he wants to open it up in your life as well. Jesus knows us. 
and he values us just the same. And the third thing I see in this God encounter is Jesus is the one who forgives and heals. He is the one. You see, Jesus' ultimate focus is not the physical healing. His ultimate focus is your spiritual healing. You know why? Because the Bible is very straightforward. One day this body will give out. One day I will no, no longer, my spirit will no longer live in this body. So that's great. He can heal me today if I have any physical ailments. And I'll praise him and celebrate that. But I have to realize something. One day my body's going to fail again. One day I'm just going to be back in the same boat. Because we live in a broken and fallen world that's all about death. But Jesus' focus is not on your physical healing. He's focused on your spiritual healing because he knows there's a spiritual self within all of us that has the ability to live on for all eternity. And he wants that to be with him. He wants you to experience him. And this is revealed on the cross when he went there to die for us. Jesus desperately loves us. He values us so much so that he went to the cross to provide spiritual healing for all of us. And he is the one who forgives. He is the one who heals. Whatever you've been running to in this world, it's not going to provide you what, you what you are looking for. It's not going to make you feel better. It might make you feel good for the moment, but that moment's going to pass. But Jesus' love... And his forgiveness lasts forever. Look what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? Because of his great love for you. Read that in your mind, okay? And put your name in there. For his great love for Bill, or whatever your name is, with all of his full of mercy and, and love for us, when we were dead in our transgressions, by his grace, he saved you. Don't ever forget that. You are valued. You are are loved by the creator who knows everything about you. Everything. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows it. He loves you and he values you. He is your source of hope and freedom. But when we come to these encounters, when we're in the midst of these God moments, we all have a choice. We all have a choice. We can be like the Pharisees on that day and because we don't, we don't want to miss out on whatever it is that we don't want to miss out on and, and we, want to, we want our priorities in life to be God's agenda. And so because of that, we just try to push our priorities onto God's agenda and that's all our focus is because we want God to give us the life that we want, what we, are des what we think we're desperate for. And because of that, we miss all the God moments that happen all around us. We're so blinded to it. Or we can be like those men carrying that mat. You see, in life, there's always going to be man-made obstacles. All the time. 
There's always going to be something in your way that's try, that puts up an obstacle to try to keep you from God. The devil's working hard. You know why? Because he does not want you to experience the reality of God's love in your life. He's going to do everything he can to provide man-made obstacles in your way. You know what? Those men with the mat, there were man-made obstacles. They were just a couple rooms away from Jesus. But the, because there was such an overcrowding in the house, they could not get there. They could have easily said, you know what? We give up. It wasn't meant to be. I mean, if God really wanted us there, he would have just opened up the sea gates, right? And walked me in. And we use those excuses. The devil puts those excuses in our hearts to say, see, he didn't open up the door for you. But still, Jesus is knocking. And we can be like those men with the mat. You say, you know what? I'm not giving up that easy. I'm not going to allow the obstacles that the world has put in my way to hold me back from experiencing God. I'm going to climb on the roof. I'm breaking through those tiles because that man I need to be with. What will be your choice? What will be your journey? Jesus wants you to, des Jesus desperately wants you to experience all that he has to offer for you. Everything he has to offer for you. But it has to start with that mental shift. I can't keep going to Jesus and trying to say, Jesus, I want your agenda to be my priorities. I got to make that mental shift and start going, Jesus, I'm coming into your presence. And I want your priorities to become my agenda. Show me what that is. And we need to start having these daily encounters with Jesus. That's why here at Impact, one of our core values of what we do, one of our core steps is a daily encounter. And my hope that as we go through this year that each of us individually will make an effort every day of our life to have an encounter with Jesus in some way. We provide so many resources to help you with that. You know, maybe it's with the YouVersion Bible app and, and the bi daily Bible verse. Maybe feel free to jump onto Right Now Media. If you have no idea what that is, put it on the Connect card, Right Now Media, and we'd love to help you get connected with that. It's completely free to you um, through the church's membership with them. It's great videos to use. You know, another way that we help to provide daily encounters with Jesus for you is through our social media, our Facebook, Instagram, our YouTube accounts. If you're not, if you don't follow us on any of those, I encourage you right now, pull out your phones. It's okay, I, I won't be coming out and chasing down for having your phone out. Pull it out, follow us right now. Because we, we provide those resources, why? Because our heart is a desire that every one of us will have the opportunity every single day to have an encounter with Jesus. What is that for you? An encounter with Jesus is spending time in his word. Spending time talking to him, praying, and just listening to him. Experience God. Have a God moment. And have an opportunity to be an, a, a, an expression of hope to others. Will you make it an effort this week, if you don't already, every day, I'm gonna have a daily encounter with Jesus. Whatever that looks like. And if you're like, I don't even know how to start, come by the Engage Impact and one of our team members back there would love to help you identify what are some great ways to start you down the path of having a daily encounter with Jesus. Or maybe you're here and, you're, and you just need to talk to somebody about where you're at in your faith journey. 
how you can take your next steps, how you can experience this hope that Jesus has, or maybe you just need someone to pray with you right now. Don't leave today without stopping by the Engage Impact. We've got great people there that would love to, to help you on whatever that next step is, to help you identify a day, how to have a daily encounter with Jesus, or just simply pray with you. We're here for you. Together, as we walk towards Jesus, may we experience him more and more. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we just seek you. Father God, in this quiet moment, we know as soon as we, this service ends and we walk out into the world, we're just gonna be overwhelmed with the noise of this world, all of the stuff that we, we feel we need to get done and, and the immediacy of it. But Lord God, just help us just to pause and to reflect on you. In this quiet moment, may we experience you. Lord, you're working around us all the time. Every day, help us to identify what our blind spots are and to remove them so that we can see the, the God moments that are happening. And Lord God, may our fear or what we want in life, may that no longer be our prime motivator. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've come to you and try to make our priorities your agenda. But Lord, right now, help us to transform our hearts and our minds. May your priorities be our agenda. And as we take those steps, may you just open up the doors that we see you working every step we take. Thank you for who you are and who you are in our life. It's in your name we pray, amen.